Hello, my name is Kayla. And my name is Camille. And this is Living Two or More. A podcast where we interview people who are biracial. We talk about identity, family traditions, belonging, and so much more. This has been a passion project for Camille and I for years. Life got in the way for a little bit, but we are so happy to finally release these episodes. Each episode will also include a check-in with the person, since a lot has changed for all of us. Thank you to everyone who encouraged us to release these episodes. It was an honor to talk to all of these people. Thanks and enjoy living two or more. We had the pleasure of interviewing Jackie Fitzgerald. She had checked her 23andMe test right before our interview and was surprised that her results had updated. Please enjoy our first episode of Living Two or More with Jackie and stick around after to listen to what she's been up to. My first time doing this, but welcome, Jackie. Thank you so much for agreeing to meet with us and chat a little bit. Yeah. Um, So we're going to start off with just the basic. What is your ethnicity, background, mother, father? all of that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. Um, so I have um, three quarters are relatively unknown, but I can, it's a little bit of a story to get there, but I'll explain. Okay. So my mom is English, she's white. She's like mostly British, Irish, and like German, French. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, we have her bloodline through my grandfather, but we don't have any ancestry through her mother okay because she died when my mom was five in a train train accident in canby um and then my dad was adopted um from south korea during or i guess in the aftermath of the war through holt international which is like kind of now internationally they 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 do adoptions from all different countries around the world oh wow but it started in south korea that's like Aryan birth of old. Um, and so I'm definitely half South Korean, mm-hmm. but um, half like question mark. <laughs> okay. And so um, I did a 23andMe um, oh, did you? ancestry, yeah, oh, wow. about four years ago. Um, where I kind of just like spit into a vial and then they like take it and shake <laughs> yeah. it up and figure out where the DNA comes from. Um, and that's really interesting actually because I hadn't looked at any of that data for like four years uh-huh. because I knew I was going to come and do this. So I was yeah. like, I should peek back because I wanted to like oh my God. remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they had become more accurate in the last like couple years. Oh, wow. Because they have so much more data and mm-hmm. things to look at. So what I thought my other quarter was, I'm actually not. And I, like, just realized that today. Oh, <laughs> oh really? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of thrown me a little bit. So, um, like, three or four years ago, I thought my other quarter was Colombian because in an adoption letter that my parents found in Korea when they went, his mother, his birth mother, refers to him as a Spanish boy. Oh. Um, and so we kind of thought, like, probably – Latin America, like Central yeah. South America, just based on like our appearance and my dad's and and just that language used. And so when I got that letter, I got like 10 years ago, but when then I got that and cross-referenced it with like the DNA and some of that stuff, we, oh, and then I looked at who was stationed in Korea at the time. And there's only one Spanish speaking country and it was Colombia. So I assumed I was Colombian. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, but I look today and I'm actually it's actually Spain. It's actually oh, Spanish. Wow. So okay. literally Spanish. So literally mm-hmm. Spanish. Yeah. And um, have roots in Puerto, Puerto Rico. Yeah. So that's like, that's weird. Because mm-hmm. I had like, kind of um, 
acquired this like thinking around the story and then i mean i guess as technology and all that stuff gets more sophisticated they can narrow it down even more i just hadn't even really thought to look Mm -hmm. wow so that's like a new orientation of my brain and so yeah evolving like right now so that question is obviously like really complicated Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) because it's just like tied to so much yeah um so yeah um both of my parents grew up in like you know, working class white families. They grew up in the same um, little city, Canby, okay. Oregon, which is like right outside of Portland, um, and just kind of had like a small town, very white suburban yeah, life. Yeah. Um, my dad's dad was a union worker, and my mom's dad was a teacher and painter, and um, they got together like in when my dad was finishing up his college. Oh. So. They had been friends forever. Mm-hmm. Like my grandfather was my dad's coach and all of that. So yeah. they're like so ethnically like are and culturally like my family's pretty homogenous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But we don't look that way. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> really interesting actually. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, to clarify, your dad, who is South Korean, um, was adopted into a white family. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, and actually, his sister was the first flight over from South Korea, oh. or from Korea. I mean, it wasn't really North and South, mm-hmm. right? It was just Korea okay. going through turmoil, or maybe it was. I'm not sure, because yeah. I don't know exactly. I think the war was over, but I don't know what was going on, you right. know, in yeah. the country at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, she she went over, came over first, <laughs> and so it was actually his sister... Or, or like adopted sister and him both in the family but they weren't related right so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and then yeah. they had an older sister who's white so that was that was my grandparents biological the biological oh, okay, okay so, so really yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 interesting yeah and and my aunt actually who was adopted from korea never felt at home mm-hmm. here ever and really? she actually ended up just the soon as like as soon as she graduated she just like moved to hawaii and has been there Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh wow! Thanks for sharing. Um, what drew you to want to do this podcast, Jackie? Uh, I mean, I think it's just so it's so rarely talked about. I rarely have people around me where I feel like I like Kayla and I have talked about this, where mm-hmm. I feel like. I can talk about things or have experiences that are probably sound really weird to most people. Um, cause like, it's just it, so much of it goes on in our heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it kind of stays yeah. there yeah. in a culture like this. That's yeah. like, we're just surrounded by white people. Right. All the time. Yeah. It's like all of my friends growing up were white, all my friends who were white and I love them dearly. There's nothing against that at all. It's just that like, because of the way that I look, I've had experiences that they haven't had. Exactly. Yeah. And I have a different narrative going on in my head than yeah. they have. Yeah. And so I'm just excited about like being able to connect with other people who have mm-hmm. similar thoughts, similar experiences, yeah. and like just be a part of that dialogue because we're pretty isolated, I think, mm-hmm. and we don't need to be. So yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping to kind of yeah. help mm-hmm. be part of that. Yeah, thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Can you? Uh, I mean, it's hard for me sometimes to go back in time, but can you remember? like a feeling or an incident where like you kind of felt different like you were like I'm not like everyone else and like I don't even kind of really know where I fit in or where I belong yeah kind of thing yeah um I mean I was really lucky growing up when I was younger because my dad was in the military and we moved everywhere 
So, like, I was in, we lived in California, we lived in Virginia, we lived in Germany. Like, we kind of just were always on Mm -hmm. the go. And so those kind of memories aren't distinct for me. Um, Like, my my most vivid childhood memories are, like, growing up in D.C., which is, like, super diverse. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember my my group of girlfriends was, like, we were just, like, all the colors. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we were super diverse. Um, But when I got here, it was very different. Like, I felt super isolated as a sixth grader Mm -hmm. in Eugene, Oregon. Like, in, like, the whitest, most affluent community, like, in Eugene. Um, You know, all college town um, affluence. And so I think that whole year I just felt, actually two years, felt completely alien. And I didn't know why. It was, like, all combination of things, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Like, just culturally. Yeah. You know, really coming from East Coast to Eugene, which is like in and of itself kind of this weird microcosm of really? culture. Um, but then, you know, I'm sure just otherness, right? Especially mm-hmm. middle school kids. Yeah. My first friend that I made in the school, who was not my school bus, actually used my skin color as like an insult during one of our fights. Oh, no. Oh, my God. And I'd like never experienced that before. Yeah. And like, it's probably only one of my it's probably my most vivid memory of racism. Like, just blatant, like, mm-hmm. you know, just um, girls on the sleepover just getting in, like, a catty fight. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, how girls are, they get really cutting. But mm-hmm. then to, she used that as, like, the ultimate cut. Um, and I don't know if I've even, like, processed, like, fully, like, but I was thinking about that and, and, and coming to talk to you guys, and it was, like, I was thinking about how she got that from somewhere. Yeah, Like, she got that notion from somewhere that skin color is something you can use as an insult. And so, yeah, I mean, it kind of speaks to yeah. just racism or mm-hmm. state or, like, in our world, you know, so. Definitely. And you said that was your friend, though, your first friend. And she did that. That's interesting to me because that also then kind of begs the question, then how often do we have friends, especially here in White Portland, who make a comment that they don't mean it like I mean that was a cutting insult but for people that drop like one-liners where they just don't see it as offensive or you know closed-minded mm-hmm. but yet it's really hurtful and I mean you know they just don't have the, like you said the same narrative mm-hmm. that we do so that's interesting though but mm-hmm. she was your friend and yeah. yeah I mean it's it's betrayal right yeah mm-hmm. like when it when I look about it now and I can name it mm-hmm. that's what it is for sure definitely um, but you know, I'm, I feel like I've been pretty fortunate to not have had very many experiences of like negative comments, but there are comments of like othering that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Where it's like people assume you speak Spanish at home or like whatever. Um, where it's like, it doesn't, that doesn't offend me. And I wouldn't even really call that a microaggression. Like mm-hmm. it's not something that I would label that as, but it's just like, it's an othering piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the assumption rather than the question, yeah, all that right. kind of stuff. Yep. And then they're like, what are you? Of course. <laughs> yes. Right. All the time. Exactly. <laughs> so um, anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's but that's a, that's a hard contrast because it's like it's sometimes I want people to ask me because I feel like they are curious and they don't know how to ask. Mm-hmm. And then I think our culture has like shamed them a little bit around how do you ask. Yeah. So it's like it's it feels like sometimes folks get into this like I don't really know what to say in this instance. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Where they feel like it's almost a catch-22 thing. You yeah, know, like, damn if you do, damn if you don't. Yeah, exactly. Which is, like, 
that's not very fun. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. For them the end, but it's like, yeah, welcome to our lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that actually makes me kind of curious. What other, uh, you said people assuming that you speak Spanish, like what are some of the common um, ethnicities that you get mistaken for? I guess, I mean, when you look at you, there's mm-hmm. multiple backgrounds going on, but I mean, do people often assume it's like, oh, Spanish, right? I feel like it's happened way <laughs> less. Accurate. I think I feel like it's happened way less in the last few years. I think it's because people are like so much more sensitive to mm-hmm. it, and they don't like to just kind of put things out there. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I've had my students. My students are like, "Miss Fitz, are you Mexican?" Like they'll just ask me, yeah, like. Do you curious. speak Spanish? Because they're just curious. Because mm-hmm. they're like, you look like me, and I like don't have any teachers that are Latina. Like, yeah. like a teacher that's Latina, you know. And they just so that that piece. There's like some of that, um, but it's just very cute. And we like start telling stories. You know, mm-hmm. it's an opportunity for me to get their story. Yeah. Um, I've had like, I got kind of like pitted against like my peer group in my master's program. Um, two groups of two peer groups because um, it was very like social justice oriented and we were talking about racism and um, issues of identity a lot um, and I had like my white friends say well I just assumed you were white <laughs> and I had my like my like friend color be like what side are you on like I don't understand where you're coming mm-hmm. from you know and um, so that kind of stuff that was actually like a really painful yeah. time but yeah, I mean, it's, it's stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had like people in college that like, I was in Spanish class and they're just like, well, you speak Spanish at home. Like, can you help me with this? And I'm like, you're kidding. <laughs> that only happened. Like, let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> no, I suck at Spanish actually. Like, I suck at it. Um, so yeah, just stuff like that. <laughs> Going back to what you just said, but what a weird comment for, um, for those two for the other group to say like what side are you on like that in itself kind of makes it that we're alienated like it's pitted against each other and I'm supposed to pick a side and I can't find a place in between where I belong in general like how did you go through that kind of comment that's a it just blows my mind that that would be something that would be said yeah that was a really really tough time for me Mm -hmm. like um <clears throat> I was in a program that was like, like I said, really heavy on knowing who you are, um, which I think to be a good teacher, you really have to like go through the trenches with yourself and it doesn't matter what your background is, but mm-hmm. like, you're kind of going to go through some shit to like really know yourself. And that was like definitely a time of going through the trenches yeah, for me. Totally. Um, because like we would have conversations in class where like, I grew up in a very like privileged, idealistic community in Eugene where like you know, everybody can hold hands and get together and like in small communities, we can really like take charge and like be the kind of cohesive, mm-hmm. you know, close knit family we want to be. Mm-hmm. And other people in my program who came from other places who are students of color saying like, you're crazy. Like that world does not exist. Like I am coming from a completely different place. Yeah. You're totally idealistic. Um, and I think like I got asked at one point, like, or I might have said it in a comment I was saying in class. And I actually said that I like didn't identify as a person of color, mm-hmm. but I didn't really know. Like, I think in the time I knew what that meant. Right. Where it was like, because I'm biracial, because I come from such a white family that like, I didn't have that identity. But then I realized that like, what people were asking me was like, do you identify with the experience of being a person of color or a person mm-hmm. that looks non-white? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And with that, 
of course. Right. And mm-hmm. so it was like going through that journey of like, I am a person of color because race is socially constructed. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, it's not something that I choose. Yeah. It's something that the world chooses for me. And so um, kind of like coming to terms with that through that whole process and like friends who are my friends of color, you know, I had one friend call me one night cause he, we had kind of gotten into like a little disagreement about it. I can't remember what it was, but he called me and he was just like, I'm trying to understand where you're coming from. Can you just like, tell me what's up? Like what, 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 what tell me about like where you're from and your past. And I just told him about, you know, the things I've expressed to you guys. And I don't think he agreed with where I was coming from. And I don't really even know what my perspective was at the time that he disagreed with. Mm-hmm. But um, I appreciated that he at least asked yeah. to find out why it was that I had a hard time condemning whiteness to the degree that my other friends of color didn't, mm-hmm. you know, or did what they did. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, it's, it's still kind of like, uh, I wouldn't call it an open wound, but it's still like a uh, place of like going through. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just maybe the way it's always yeah. going to be. Yeah. Um, where did you do your master's? U of L. U of L. Yeah, yeah, and U O teach. Um, I got my bachelor's and my master's degree. Yeah, but they had they had done a really good job of like recruiting lots of diversity in our program, um, and so I mean it was still very very white, mm-hmm. but um, there was enough voice mm-hmm. from lots of perspectives that it kind of was able to like, give rise to. Yeah, a lot of like the real of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, totally. as like kind of uncomfortable as it was for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned that um, race is something that is a social construct, and it's like something that is um, that we are told basically what we are. Do you find that you ever um, do you ever feel obstinate almost in your response to people, and do you ever kind of tailor your words when, when you are asked at those times, like? what are you or as gingerly or as kindly as it is do you ever feel like hey um what do you feel when you are asked that and is there any kind of like let me tell you who I am instead of you know what you are assuming or what you think or Mm -hmm. that type of yeah I think for the most part like people just know that I'm like I think ethnic being ethnically ambiguous is like something that I think people are more comfortable with Mm -hmm. than they were before they're like there's just a lot of ethnic ambiguity yeah I mean it's one of the reasons this podcast is so interesting right because I was telling Kayla like last week or the week before it was like this is the new normal Mm -hmm. to be just kind of it's not really sure what where who you are or like what your race is um or background but um you know sometimes I just get really tired when I'm asked because it's such a complicated question Mm -hmm. um and it's so loaded and Mm -hmm. there's like so many things that I I, like wonder about and still don't have answers for and like it also kind of like some of the other stories that kind of go into that answer are like a little bit emotionally hard for me to think about and so it kind of like sometimes triggers that sometimes it just feels tiring but then it depends on who it is right so like something like this is exciting Mm because it's like it's relatable yeah. and people are curious and um so if it's somebody that I'm close to I like appreciate the the question especially if it opens a conversation right about like who they are and where they come from yeah. so that's from anywhere from like colleagues to new friends to like my students you know mm-hmm. um but the yeah assumptions thing doesn't happen too much anymore and I I really do think that might be because of the times mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know so 
I mean, I know Portland is kind of known for being like overly PC about things. And so I wonder if that's, since people aren't asking or assuming more now, is that a weird, like you forget, you're just like, I'm never really approached about who I am beneath like my actual skin color. Is that a weird, I I haven't even thought about that, but it, it does make sense and it is happening now. Yeah, it is weird. I actually um, have a really close friend who, like, last year was having a really hard, like, emotional time with not because of anything that that person was doing, but because I was, like, feeling like, it, it, is this, like, is this, like, part of my identity? Like, are you just blind to this? Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I just, I wasn't sure. Like, yeah. it felt like either she, like, didn't have the questions to begin with or, like, never wanted to ask them. I mean, this is, like, a lifelong friend. We've known mm-hmm. each other for years and years. We've, like, never really talked about any of this. And so I think I was coming to this place of feeling really frustrated with, like, there's this, like, whole part of my identity that's, like, never being inquired about. Mm-hmm. And it might be, is it because, like, it's, like, taboo? Yeah, or, like, like yeah. love, see, no color shit from the mm-hmm. 90s. Yeah. Or, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't really, I'm not really sure. And I think maybe it's because like, I've never conveyed the challenge I have around it, or it's like maybe just so foreign to her that she doesn't understand it. So like what that feels like, I'm not, I really, I don't know. Yeah. It is weird to just have people like not. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, yeah, I don't yeah, know. It's weird. It. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, yeah. how, how do they how acknowledge do you, it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's the same question I'm asking myself. So I don't know. And I don't know if it's because like, this is just like throwing out. I mean, we, since we are biracial and it's more of like, I look at you and I'm not really sure what you are. So I'm not going to not make an effort, but maybe not try to offend you. But like, say that someone is um, black and like a person has a certain relationship with that race they're going to act accordingly because they know that that person is what they seem on the outside only, which is totally like wrong. But since we are people that aren't easily identifiable, like it's easier to ignore it at all, at all costs. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know. Well, yeah, there's that. And then there's also like the kind of cool thing about it where like people of color who may not be as um, open with me, if I were white are really open with me. Right. And I like get to like, um, I get to like share in an experience. I feel like I've been like picturing this. I feel like in Portland, it's like, there's just like pods of white people and then like a couple people of color in in the pod. And then there's like this other little pod of all white people and a couple people of color. Mm -hmm. And so like when they, bump into each other yeah it's like this great opportunity to be like hey how's it going over there yeah. <laughs> like you know like I don't know I feel like that's that's also kind of the the fun part in the assumptions totally where it's like my family is like white 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 like in terms of like ethnicity mm-hmm. and culture it is a white family yeah yeah but um I think that because of the way that I look, people are like, but like, really, what's your like, life like, you Mm -hmm. know, you know, it just gives me a little opportunity to like, share conversation and experience with other people, the subtle things, yeah, you know, that like, it's hard to talk about, or that you can't really even explain in your own words. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
You um, mentioned the two social circles where there's like predominantly people of color and then a few white people and then the opposite of that. Uh, that makes me curious about like, where do you find your sense of community then? I mean, do you pull stronger from one of those groups or were you, I mean, you're in your family, you just said ethnically mm-hmm. very white, but I mean, we're talking about it now in this safe space, but do you feel that you have people in your life, friends that you can be really real with? And I mean, I'm just curious yeah. where you find that strength and solidarity. Yeah, I mean, I do, but it's evolved. Like, yeah. and it's evolving. Yeah. I feel sure. like the more that I learn and know myself, the like, it's hard to talk about, honestly, because it's like, uh, you guys can probably really relate to it in a way that I haven't been able to talk about before, but like, the more that I learn myself, the more I realize the things that make me uncomfortable. For sure. And I've like definitely had some strained relationships develop like mm-hmm. because of it and friendships. Yeah. And it's hard because it makes me feel like I'm, I don't even know what it, what it is. I don't know how to articulate it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the pull is, but it just does feel like there's this kind of like pull. And to loop back around to your question. Yeah. I mean, one of the beautiful things about teaching is that, um, People rely in schools, teachers rely on one another so much. And at the school that I'm at right now, I have like met women of color that I'm, that I'm around in a way that I haven't mm-hmm. before. And um, I do feel like really close with them. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we're like colleagues and we're friends, but like I do, I'd like trust them. I feel like I can come to them with things and just like lay it out and they're not going to judge me. I just feel like I can be so much more honest. Mm-hmm without um, having to kind of like filter things. Yeah. I realize I filter things a lot yeah, for yeah. some other people in my life. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't like that feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't like that feeling. No. So, um, but that's, that's like a recent thing. I mean, that's in the last like year, year and a half. It's like unknown territory mm-hmm. a little bit, Yeah. but it's even small things. It's like, I want to go to a Kendrick Lamar concert. I'm like, none of my friends listen to Kendrick Lamar <laughs> or like, like my friends I've seen it twice. It's like, you know, because I feel like I do kind of identify more with like non-white culture. Yeah. It's like when I want to go do those things, I get a little bit like, who's my person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? No, I feel that. that weird? No. Okay. No, I don't even never said that out loud. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know the feeling. I think I feel in that yeah. same boat with music artists mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. What a weird thing too. You were saying that you you even realize yourself and I don't think I mean I I realize it too that like sometimes you filter things that you say to certain people and I don't know if that's like what a, a, a defense mecha- mechanism or like yeah like a coping a, mechanism yeah or like sparing other people something like I don't I don't know but I I do that too and it's something that you like it's like a skill a weird skill set that you have yeah but yeah do you feel like it got developed from like experiences that you've had where people told you you were like the reason I'm asking that is because like I feel like I've had people say things like don't play the race card mm, really? like where it's been like yeah. a chiseled fil- filter yeah. kind of so mm-hmm. like it's like I I kind of learned like oh that's not okay to say in mm-hmm. front of certain company yeah right yeah um so that I feel like that might be like a learned 
filter. Totally. And then I think also you kind of start to learn who in your life is comfortable talking about this stuff and who's not. Because like I have white allies that I can say anything in front of too, Mm -hmm. and they are just totally fine. And I don't filter myself around them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because they've like sat with it. They know their identity. They know their privilege. Like they just, they get it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We all have privilege. We all have to sit with that. And like, so I think that that helps me like take the filter Mm -hmm. down. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know if you mind, but like, do you mind sharing that story about someone saying not to pull the race card? I'm like, I'm kind of curious about that too. That's pretty aggressive. Especially if that was maybe from someone who was white, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's like all my friends growing up were white. Like I, yeah, all my friends growing up were white. I can't remember from sixth grade on. Yeah, and sixth grade on, I'm having trouble, like, until my adult years, I'm mm-hmm. remembering a friend mm-hmm. that I had that wasn't white, which is weird to say yeah. out loud. Um, um, race card. Yeah. So I was, like, driving early in the morning on I-5, and I'm pretty sure this was because of my behavior, but I, I, was, driving, <laughs> I was driving really early on I-5 because I was going from where my boyfriend was living in Medford back to Eugene, and it was when I was in uh, college. And, um, it was like this, like, no, no one was on the road and I was just speeding and I like drove by this cop slowed down. Like I kind of was like strangely trying to hit the brake, but I was like, dude, if if you like were over the speed limit, like it's too late. Mm -hmm. So, but I did end up getting pulled over Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's like that thing where you're like, did I get pulled over because I was like pumping my brake? Cause he had, he like waited a really, really long time before Mm -hmm. he pulled me over. Oh, like a, a strange amount yeah. of time where you're like, like he was kind chair. of deciding whether or not he uh-huh. was going to pull me uh-huh. over. Um, and so it was kind of those moments where it's like, did he pull me over? Cause I was like pumping my brake mm-hmm. weirdly or, or did he pull me over? Cause I'm like Brown and yeah. Driving early in the morning with no one else on the road. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. have no idea. Um, and so I think I said it flippantly to my friend. Like, I was kind of making a joke. Not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, uh-huh. like, maybe. But then she, yeah, she just said, like, oh, like, don't pull a race card. And then after she said that, I was like, but that's, like, could be a thing. Totally. And, like, yeah. let me think that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I'm allowed to think that maybe that would have something yeah. to do with it. Yeah. Because even if it didn't have anything to do with it, it's not like that's never happened before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Of course. Yeah. In fact, my dad, sometimes my dad will say he's had race six experiences and sometimes he'll say he hasn't. But mm-hmm. like just a couple weeks ago, he was telling me about an incident that happened with he, him and my mom when they were in Florida. Cops pulled him into an alley and like had him get out of the car and like kept them there for like 30 minutes because like he was driving a really nice Volvo and they were like, yeah, no. is that your car? Jeez. You know, so it's not. Yeah, it's not it's a foreign. It's not crazy. Yeah. Right? It's not crazy. Um, it happens. So mm-hmm. anyway. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about being a teacher um, a little bit. Just what are you or if you're doing anything to introduce the idea of different ethnicities in your own classroom and teaching students about inclusion and all that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> of course. Yeah. No, I mean, I um. I am very, very comfortable talking about race. Um, and I think the reason I'm so comfortable talking about it is because for, because of my students. Because I have yeah. to be comfortable talking about it. Because I can't ignore the experience of, like, 
the various different ethnicities and races in my classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of like foundational for me, just identity in general. We explore a lot of in my classroom. Yeah. I'm very like multicultural. I do a lot of like inclusive stuff. It's very student centered, but we do like deal explicitly with race. Like my seniors this year, we did a racial justice unit. um, And we looked at like specifically race and racism in, in Oregon. So I made it really local this year. In the past, I've kept it, like, broader. We've looked at mass incarceration. Um, we, like, examined Kendrick Lamar. So I do a lot with, like, examining the Black experience. And I explain to them why. Because I tell them that, like, you can't understand the history of oppression around race in this country without understanding the history of Native Americans and African Americans in this country. And so, um, and because students are so interested in police brutality, right, they're very, like, fired up and charged about that. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the place that I go to Mm -hmm. give them access to that lens, right? Like, if I had all the time in the world, we would examine everything. Yeah. But I'm, like, an English teacher trying to also do social studies Mm -hmm. work. So it's, like, kind of my way into just have them start thinking about these things. But, you know, I I used to teach Native studies a lot more. Um, when I was when I was teaching middle school, my curriculum was kind of geared that way. So um, yeah, we do it a lot. We talk about That's privilege. Cool. Yeah. Um, I teach them like really common language that they need to know, mm-hmm. like in Beaverton, because I swear sometimes that the community is like 400 years mm-hmm. ago. Like they'll say like colored people still. Mm-hmm. My students oh my will. Oh. So I have to like teach them. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. You can say that, but you're going to get punched. Right? Yeah. <laughs> if you say that. So just warning you now. Yeah. Don't say it and warn you. Um, so yeah, I do. I do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I do it a lot. Um, I think it's super important. Course. It's like the ultimate issue, like in courageous conversations. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically mm-hmm. like it's like a program that's designed for teachers, but like really businesses could use it or anybody could use it for like communities of people to deal with race and have yeah. conversations around race. And one of their theories is like that it's the ultimate issue that everyone will ignore. Mm-hmm. So if there's ever an opportunity to bring up something else, like mm-hmm. class or to bring up gender or sexuality or anything else people will deflect away from race as quickly as possible and so courageous conversation says no you stay on the topic of race you talk about that Mm -hmm. um because it's the one that we have the hardest time moving forward on yeah Yeah. you know so totally it's (sighs) racial tensions are tough right now totally Mm -hmm. um i think students understand the concept of alliances in a really interesting way so um, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like communities of color and non-white communities supporting one another mm-hmm. in racial justice mm-hmm. work. But there are absolutely racially charged racist incidents that happen in our school um, and in all schools from what I'm hearing mm-hmm. from other teachers. We've had some pretty egregious ones happen this year, like very harmful, damaging ones. Wow. Um, but it's been offset by this really great teacher and student led work around anti-racist work. So it's a conversation Mm -hmm. and um, it's, I don't know how, I don't know. I don't want to say better. I want to say it's happening. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Progress maybe. Yeah. There's, 
there's dialogue. Yeah. Which is better than silence. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Right. I went to a private school and I was one of two minorities and I'm mm-hmm. white. So yeah. that tells you something yeah. right there too. And, um, the ki- there weren't any um, outwardly I, that I remember in my four years of going there racist things, but we often wore for the silent route, and it was just never talked about. And so that's interesting to hear the other side of that, where I mean, people are outward, there's still mm-hmm. you know misconduct and outwardly yeah. aggressive. Well, and I think the um, I've never seen what it is right now. Mm-hmm prior to a year and a half ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. very like, it's, you know, we all know this. It wasn't gone. It was always there. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just coming to the surface. And we're seeing that in schools too. Mm-hmm. So like the things that I'm, that I'm hearing students say, say to one another and incidents that have come up um, are absolutely in response to our national climate mm-hmm. and this, this administration. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that part feels very intense mm-hmm. and overwhelming, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's been a challenging year yeah. in, like, different ways than mm-hmm. before. So have you, I guess just in general, I know we've talked about, like, Portland being, like, very white. Like, did was there a moment when you realized that? Like, I don't know if I was always just like, oh, like, I'm... Like, I don't really, I mean, obviously we don't look at ourselves unless we're like in a mirror. So we're not like, obviously known that we're different than everyone else. But were you like, oh yeah, all my friends are white. <laughs> this person, like every like the coffee, the barista person's white. Like this, like, have you, do you have a moment or is um, it just like evolving yeah, <laughs> into like, that? It's definitely like a time period. Cause so I got my master's program at U of O and then I went to teach in the Park Rose, which is like an incredibly diverse community. Like, okay my classroom was like all kinds of backgrounds in my classroom. In fact, my like first year I had 17 languages in my little like ELD classroom. Oh wow. So, wow. Like I, I was around a lot of like awesome diversity mm-hmm. at Park Rose. Um, and I think maybe I like evolved from there where I was like looking around at my colleagues and being like, wow, there's like, no, like there's, I'm mm-hmm. like the only like let's I mean I I identified as a Latina which like as I told you guys I'm like my brain is uh-huh <laughs> flipping around yeah. that. um but like I'm not I'm like one of three people of color what three teachers of color um and then like slowly throughout time you know you'll be like sitting in a restaurant in a bar I'm sure you guys have had this experience and you're kind of like looking around and you're like oh yeah no no one yeah mm-hmm. right you're like, yeah no and you're like kind of like trying to catch eyes with that person. <laughs> <laughs> but you're like, that's weird. Right? Yeah, I should do that. But uh, <laughs> just me staring. <laughs> yeah. But then being biracial, there's that whole other thing where it's like not enough. But it's uh, like yeah. that, that person. Absolutely. Not, yeah. Right. It's which like which camp are you? Which side are you on? Yeah. Right. That, mm-hmm. that's like I'm not even it. really in that community yeah. fully. So it's like it's it's just weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's weird. But yeah, definitely like going out to places. Yeah. yeah, like going out to um, like going out dancing or bars, restaurants. Mm-hmm. Like I know it's all the time, all the time. In fact, I had a really drunken night in my like mid mid twenties, where I was like single for some stretch of time, and I was going out with my friend, and we were dancing, and I think by the end of the night, I was like. I can't get a guy because I'm brown. <laughs> she was like, didn't even know yeah. what to do. Like, she was like, white, like, this white girl. And she's just I'm like, sorry. oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
so I definitely have yeah. like some of that baggage too like around um that's another whole issue mm -hmm. is like um levels of attractiveness right that was something to, I was like, like do we want to take that in? Yeah. <laughs> is that a question we want to ask on this podcast but yeah that's a whole topic no, in and of huge. itself is how how is our how are relationships amorous relationships affected by that like yeah. We're pre-amorous relationships. Mm -hmm. For me, it was mostly pre-amorous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once they're amorous, I'm pretty sure they're attracted to me. But yeah, no, like, I mean, I grew up with a bunch of, like, really, like, tall, blonde, blue-eyed, like, the slender, like, frame, you know? I have some shoulders. I've got, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's different. Yeah. And he had a different experience with guys growing up, for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Because of that. But yeah, I've also been challenged on that, so. Yeah. 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 One of the things that I was like, oh, I really want to ask her about is like, have you ever, I hate to bring up the S word because we have nothing to be shamed, mm -hmm. ashamed of or whatever, but have you ever felt that sense of, just because of the whitewashing and the sh a shame, I guess, and how do I respond? Like, I feel suddenly really hot and warm mm -hmm. and just, yeah, you don't even know why you feel the way you do, but it's like, oh, all yeah, eyes like, on me. Generational trauma. Right. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, shame. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, especially when I think about, like, what likely happened for my biological grandmother yeah. and her, like, Spanish partner, what that likely was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's a whole, like, gender identity, um, I think, issue, too, around, yeah. like, what happens to women during times of war. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, like, this really kind of, like, hard, dark place. Or just, like, any of the you-don't-knows. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? And exactly. you start imagining the stories and scenarios. Yeah. And the fact that you can't fill in those gaps for yourself, it does, like, conjure shame. It does, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And right. it's... um it's like what do you do right do with that yeah. right what do you do with it and I think I think part of that is like because we have to sit with it so alone mm -hmm. like I think that's why doing this is so powerful yeah mm -hmm. because I've never heard anybody put it that way so thank you oh yeah. <laughs> no because it's so helpful to like be able to name what you're yeah what it is that you're experiencing and sometimes you don't know until you talk to people about exactly it. other people yeah Thank you, Jackie, for coming back. It's so great to see you and hear from you again, and we can't wait to see what you've been up to. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. So what have you been up to? <laughs> so, I mean, gosh, when I was re-listening to our recording, um, I was realizing how traumatic and hard of a year that was. Mm. Um, and... So I kind of mention it in the in in that that last interview, just like some of the things that were going on in in, in my work life. Um, and I've since like been on quite a journey, really. I mean, um, I uh, much like Camille needing to move like to a closer place for work. I also really needed to do that. I was commuting about an hour and a half. Um, sometimes two hours out to Beaverton and I live in deep Southeast. So, um, 
I was I was really adamant about um, developing a better work-life balance, especially I think after such a tough year um, teaching. And so I uh, went and I taught at a different school, a little closer in for a while. And during that time, had the opportunity to um, go and work in a creative agency for a while and take uh, some time away from teaching, which I think I needed. Um, I needed I needed a year away to do some um, personal work and um, some introspective work. Um, and to figure out who I'm not. I did a lot of that over the last yeah. year and a half. And um, I'm very excited to be going back to the classroom next year. I just got, Whoa. I've been teach. Yeah. I've been wanting to teach in North Clackamas for about six years, North Clackamas School District. Um, and during both of the jumps that I made, I was kind of looking for, for, for an opportunity there and um, it wasn't the right time. And uh, I was in interviews all last week and um, and got a job at Rock Creek Middle School. So I'm, I'm very excited to be going back to the classroom. I really can't think of a better time um, with everything we have going on in our country and our world to be going back with kids. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling great about it. It's gonna be a, a hard year and it's gonna be probably hard years, but um, I feel fresh and revived and feel like I have a better sense of who I am and what I'm about. So, yeah, it's been a journey. Congratulations. Congrats to you. That is amazing to hear. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Will it be, do you think it'll be weird? Um, Cause you taught high school right before you stopped and you're going to be going to middle school now. Yeah. I just, so I taught middle school for the first five years that I was in education. Um, and I, like had a little bit of hesitancy around a middle school position, but honestly, the work that I want to do right now is um, I want to do a lot of socio-emotional support for students. Okay. And you can do that at the high school level, but there's a lot more pressure to be doing um, academic skills supports because you're preparing them for college and career. Oh. And so I'm really excited. I'm doing a whole year on love um, with middle schoolers. So. I, I feel like I have the freedom and the flexibility and it's like the perfect age to kind of do that with. And also, um, you know, the younger kids are joyful and like we need joy in the world. Yeah. <laughs> our two, yeah. But, um, yeah. Anyway, I'm excited. I think that is really cool, Jackie, because I was listening back on the interview um, with you as well. And to hear back then, like just how, you know, you had an open classroom and you were very um, um, pragmatic in creating an environment where uh, race and just acceptance and, you know, all of the different topics that surround that were discussed openly, safely. And um, it's great that you stepped away to do work on yourself. Like that is so important. But now like to go back, like what better, as you said, what better of a time to jump back in? Like you are fueling the change and that's really cool in light of like everything that we're hearing now like it's not enough just to talk of you know just to acknowledge it but like what are we actually doing to change and the work that you're going to be starting or like restarting is definitely going to contribute that to that that's amazing yeah I'm really excited to be um broadening my community I mean I have amazing allies and colleagues and friends in Park Rose and 
Portland Public Schools in Beaverton. And mm-hmm. so now going with Clackamas, I'm really excited to kind of to engage in that work. It's 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 def it's a village situation, you know. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's going to take everybody working together um, and keeping mm-hmm. like true north in mind and keeping um, keeping the big big picture in mind. So, yeah. Yeah. Do they do they have um, plans in place for reopening in the late? late no, I mean, I think so far a lot of the focus and energy has been on like getting through the year um, because there is so much going on in our country. Um, I think teachers really want to make sure their kids are are taken care of. And I think administrators have been working hard to figure out what budget's going to look like and Mm-hmm. All of that. So I, I'm 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 pretty sure that plans for what it will look like in the fall are are not in not solidified yet. Yeah. Um, and I'm to be honest, like I'm kind of I'm kind of glad about that because I think if we're trying to jump to quick solutions, they're probably going to look like things that um, may not have worked in the past I wasn't around you know this last spring but I think taking some time to really um think hard about um what cannot be replaced um by distance learning and what things maybe can be replaced by distance learning could create some good opportunities for um the kind of change we've needed to see in education frankly for a long time so um I'm optimistic not that it will be easy it'll definitely be hard um, but I feel good about, um, you know, people have a lot of time to reflect on things that aren't going well mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. Well, I guess um, addressing our other question that we talked about, um, you had said that when we recorded our last episode, you were going through a tough year. Um, after listening to the interview, was there anything you wanted to talk about or address that you had talked about before? Yeah, um, I mean, I noticed me kind of skirting around words and I and I notice I'm kind of doing it now too. And I think it's from like, and I talk about it in the, inter- the interview too, like years of being socialized to not use words that make people uncomfortable. Um, and like, I noticed, for instance, talking about, you know, racial tensions in schools and like, I feel like I've been given new language from, you know, brilliant thinkers like, you know, Ibram Kendi and, um, Ijiyama Olu, like what we're talking about is white supremacy, right? (laughs) Um, and what I experienced and what I'm seeing in schools and what folks are seeing in our nation through the slow genocide of black people and black men in our country is a function of white supremacy. Um, And so I feel like I was not just saying that. Um, And I feel like I've been given kind of new language to talk about that um, through kind of some more exploration of things that, you know, I have yet to learn for sure. So um, I think that's like the only thing that I would say in terms of like a connection to that year um and then you know in regards to identity there was a lot that i was doing and talking about around there was a there was a lot that i was noticing about myself and wanting to name and label um what what groups i was a part of um like what i what identities specifically i could name Mm -hmm. and while 
I have a little bit of a hole there and I think I'm always going to, you know, I talk about in that, in that podcast, I talk about, oh, I identify as Latina or like, oh, I got, you know, DNA that kind of shows me maybe I'm Spanish and I have Puerto Rican roots. Like, while all of those things are like things that I'm still grappling with and always will, quite frankly, um, like I think bottom line is like, you know, I benefit from a lot of white privilege and I am also a person of color with a unique experience. Um, and I think I feel far less um, attached to needing to find out the label. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've definitely come to a lot more of a place of peace around like I've been doing um, some really interesting kinds of therapy and um, have been doing some like meditative work and really feel like I've actually come in contact with um, some ancestors that I'm carrying with me and um, it's it's been pretty powerful to just you know um, find that inner strength and resilience and um, not need to know what, what, what its origins are. Um, so I've found a lot of comfort in that um, and a lot of like letting go. So, yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> You're happy for sharing that. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it, it's, uh, I think it's hard when, when I think we're, you know, we're, we're, we're meant, we want to be in tribes. Like mm-hmm. we want to be, we want to feel connected. And while I definitely don't want to, um, you know, be living in a world of like color blindness, um, we do have tribes that, you know, and our tribe is, is like humanity. Um, and, and we have smaller tribes within that that definitely have unique experiences that are impacted by systems of oppression that we must pay attention to and act against. Um, but yeah, I, I've 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 come to peace with a lot of like, um, not all of it, but I've come to peace <laughs> with like the yeah. the the fractured identity mm-hmm. uh, part. So yeah, yeah. Well, thank thank you for sharing that. It sounds like um, you've possibly been just doing a lot of reflecting, which I think a lot of us kind of have been doing too, especially in the last month. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I'd love to hear from all of you too, but I know you're you're interviewing me, so I'm on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think being um, multiracial especially with like a white parent mm-hmm. or you know in whiteness I think is is um really complex during this time mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. I definitely don't have any answers I have way way more questions and answers um but I'm trying to figure out what my where my spaces are and like yeah yeah um, where my energy should should be and why it should be there Um, and some of those things have to do with race and some of them have to do with just, um, you know, the anti-racist work I've done to date and the anti-racist work that my, like, BIPOC and white allies have done to date and, like, where, where we all fit in that is, is anybody's guess. 
Um, but I think we're all trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, completely. Definitely. Well, Cami, did you have any other uh, questions for Jackie? I mean, there's so much I want to say, but it's like, oh, that's a whole, <laughs> I, like you, I have so many questions and I have, I have a few things to say, but mostly questions and it's just never ending conversation. Um, I don't, I don't want to open up too big of a can of worms. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's fine. Like we have time and I'm, I'm okay. Like if, if at any time these conversations were important, it's now. So I'm like, feel free to ask away, like open book. Um, yeah. It, um, uh, okay, but now I'm blanking. You said something <laughs> and I was like, ooh, that, like, <laughs> for me, um, now I'm blanking on what it was, but I do know, like, tied into it, I think, to piggyback on what you're saying, to be bi or multiracial right now, especially with a white parent, um, it's, it's stirring up in me so many emotions right now um, because when, like, when you look at me, I don't look white. You don't see that side come through. Um, and, I, you know, growing up, I have had um, my own experiences and I have always been like, uh, I think I've been, I've held bitterness over those experiences and have definitely um, been very aware of what it means to not look white but then in light of all of these things that are happening I'm like I don't even n understand the half of it like it barely scratches the surface because like with Ahmad you know I'm a runner I can run down the street maybe not at night down a dark alley but that has more to be with doing being a woman you know like I don't know what that fear is like and um, the George the George Floyd um, murder really, really got to me, you guys, because it just like blatantly threw into my face in that moment. Like, yeah, I'm I am a person of color, but I the marginalization right now in the black community. I mean, not right now. It's been this way. But I mean, it just came full front and center. Does that make sense? I feel like for sure. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And it just. It's, it's like two things. It's like one, having a white parent and two, not having the other half be black that I feel, I feel all these emotions over both of those things. And it's just causing me to reflect and do some serious thinking, I guess. I don't know, but I think, I think that's really, I want one thing that I actually had written down. I think it's interesting what you're saying. And it's one of the reasons I really appreciate the new acronym BIPOC mm -hmm. because to be black and native in this country has a history that um, other people of color and other races cannot. It's not the same. Yes. Um, yes. The, the history of hatred and oppression and racism and the impact of white supremacy on black and indigenous communities looks nothing like it does in other um, POC communities. And yeah, it, it, and I think and I think being multiracial um, or biracial with a white parent is it, it it's even more complex because for me anyway because I because I've benefited so much from white privilege and and benefited oh, yeah. a lot from mm -hmm. yeah and yes 
And so, mm-hmm. like, there's a whole nother layer for for me there where it's like even, you know, my, and we talked about this a little bit in my, my interview a few years ago where it's like, you know, not being enough of a POC because mm-hmm. I am multiracial. Yeah. Racial. Yeah. Um, and yet... I think it's just being aware of that, you know, I think, I think I was so wrapped up in like trying to figure out my own identity at the time that I, I wasn't seeing like the ways in which, um, the ways in which whiteness play out for me and my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like been humbling, you know, um, I've had to take a step back there and my interactions with, with my friends of color, um, black, indigenous POC alike um you know they're they're shifts they're shifting it's not bad it's just um I think people are being more reflective um so but but absolutely I mean um I think I think because of COVID I honestly do because I mean there have been horrifying things that that we've seen and had and had filmed Mm -hmm. um Eric Garner, I can't breathe, you know, six years. Um, and it, and it didn't, it wasn't enough to get people to engage. Um, and George Floyd, Breonna Taylor on Aubrey, like these, this like confluence of murdering of murders, like has really, I think along with COVID because people have to sit with it, mm-hmm. um, sparked this in level of engagement that, I mean, I've never seen in my lifetime and I really hope continues, you know, um, I, I have, I have fear and hesitancy around like trusting too much that, that it will stick around. Um, just because America forgets very, very easily. Um, but I really hope that, that people find a way to not only engage and be enraged now, um, and also come together and love like that rage I've seen, more actually come out as love on the streets mm-hmm. um but to sustain it to sustain it a long long time until like maybe their whole maybe our whole lives thank you jackie thank again and jackie always yeah. good to talk to you yeah i'm so glad that we're checking in yeah yeah and absolutely and i think you know i don't i can't remember if it was kayla or if it was camille i can't remember which one of you said it last time but i think um, you know, we, I thought you, you'd mentioned how like the podcast, you, we weren't, you weren't sure if the, the tone was going to be political in nature. And um, yeah, that's me. <laughs> it was you. Oh, okay. And, um, <laughs> you know, I think, so there's this really amazing, um, quote, I think it's in a poem. I don't remember where I read it, but, um, there's a, a poet named Naomi Shihab Nye and, um, she's Israeli and she says um, that politics are the way humans treat one another on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really helps me like think about how our interactions in a day-to-day basis and the conversations we have or don't have um, are all political. Mm-hmm. Uh, and politics has that like negative connotation because we think about government. But, uh, mm-hmm. but, but in a democracy, we are the government right? I mean, yeah, in a perfect democracy, we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, thank you for, thank you for creating this space, because these conversations matter a lot. 
and they're going to matter, I think, even more in the future than they have. Mm-hmm. Um, like opening up these dialogues and and getting vulnerable. You know, I'm terrified to like say things on this because because it's it feels naked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Vulnerable. Uncomfortable. Yeah. But like, yeah. fuck it. You know, like. Hated. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing compared to like many other peoples in this country, so um, yeah. <laughs> I, I can be uncomfortable. It's okay. Yep. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to Living Two or More. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Living Two or More. If you have any feedback or your own story you'd like to share, feel free to email us at Living Two or More Podcast at gmail.com.